We don't know much about Habakkuk the person, and in fact, if you've been listening, we might not even be sure how we're supposed to say his name. I say Habakkuk, Habakkuk is fine, it's all fine. But we know very little about Habakkuk. He comes with essentially zero biographical information. Our scripture for this morning catches the prophet Habakkuk at the end of his conversation with God. And that's what prophets do, right? They speak to God on behalf of their people, and then they speak to their people on behalf of God. But divinely appointed middleman is not a very catchy job title. So we know that he is a prophet, and we know that his world is on fire. Habakkuk's story is set in the midst of the Babylonian conquest of the kingdom of Judah. The Babylonians overtake the people and then send a good portion of them into exile, away from their homes. The Babylonian conquest and subsequent exile is perhaps the most significant event of the Old Testament. It is the unexpected and unfortunate climax of the story that started with their ancestor Abraham. God promised Abraham that his descendants would grow into a great nation, that they would inhabit a good and prosperous land that that would, that would be their own. They would prosper, other nations would be blessed by them, and I would wager that this defeat, this exile, cannot be what they believed God meant for them. So I mean it when I say that Habakkuk's world, see I did it, Habakkuk's world is falling apart around him, and unsurprisingly, he and his people need to talk to God about it. Habakkuk is a short prophet. It's only three chapters. Chapter one is the prophet's petition to God. How, Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? It feels terrified and desperate and almost hopeless. Their lives are being torn apart, and they need help. In chapter 2, God gives a response to Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. Basically, I'm fixing to do something, but you're gonna have to wait. The wicked will get what's coming to them, just hold tight. Not all bad news, you know, but certainly not a problem solved. It isn't satisfying, and some might say it's not actually helpful. I try to imagine Habakkuk turning to his people to share this message that God has shared with the prophet. In my mind, it doesn't land super well. They live in the immediate, in the right now, and they are standing on the brink of, we're not coming back from this, and they're supposed to wait? And then, the final chapter of Habakkuk, including our text for today, it's the prophet's prayer, his song of praise to God, uh, to the God in whom he places his trust and his hope. Verse 1 says, O Lord, I have heard your, of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. Although the vines are bare, although the animal stalls are empty, although we are on the brink of calamity, I will rejoice in the Lord. How is it that Habakkuk sings? 
How is it that as the world falls down around him, when God has not yet solved his problem, rather told him to sit tight, that he praises the God he is waiting on to act? But, but what else is there? I'm not suggesting that Habakkuk is simply choosing to play the fiddle while the city burns around him, but rather he is choosing to carry on. It would be a perfectly reasonable, understandable thing for him to throw up his hands, to give up, to believe that God does not care and will not help. I would not blame him. I would not hold it against him if he chose to hang up the prophet life to denounce his faith in God. But that's not the choice that Habakkuk makes. In the face of this exile, the destruction of his home, and potentially of his people, Habakkuk raises his voice and says, I am still here, and the God that I believe in is still good. Choosing song, choosing praise, is how Habakkuk proclaims his belief that the worst thing will not be the last thing. Habakkuk has seen who God has been for his ancestors and for his people, and he believes that the same God will be there for his people still. His song is both a plea for help and an affirmation of his faith. This text from Habakkuk chapter 3 is the final selection from our summer scripture mixtape. We've spent the whole summer uh, reflecting on the passages that you all submitted, ones that hold deep meaning for you. This was Sandy Mashburn's submission, and when she spoke about why she chose it, she talked about a memory of an anthem that they sang at her church in North Carolina. How the anthem speaks of the way that faith persists and even shines during hardship. She said that Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 sings to her. And that's a powerful thing. Something transformative happens when, a pe when people lift their voice in song, whether it's done from a place of exultant joy or from a place of lament and pain. We know this. Have there been moments when you've sat in a sacred space, maybe this sanctuary, and gotten goosebumps during a hymn or an anthem or an offertory? Think about singing in the car, right? Whether you're with friends or alone, how does that make you feel? What about when you get to see an artist that you love perform live? I've had the, uh, the gift of attending two concerts this year that are, to this point, my favorite live music experiences. Bluegrassy folk band Nickel Creek toured this year to promote their first new album since 2014. This was also their first uh, tour since the pandemic. And in fact, the first two tracks of their new album are about the feeling of being back together after being apart for so long, after not being in the same physical space as others for what felt like a lifetime. So as the trio played and sang uh, both new songs and old, the crowd joined in, lifting their voices, clapping and stomping their feet. And I could feel it. I could feel the joy and the relief and the hope even though we've been living in this post-pandemic life for a while, there was still this incredible sense of corporate joy that we, complete strangers, had been through something difficult, but we made it back together. We didn't realize it at the time, but other Morningsiders were there, and I talked to Stephanie Libby afterwards, and it was clear that we'd had a similar experience. We both cried during the concert, and we both knew that the Holy Spirit had been there. 
I also traveled to Nashville this year to see a night of Taylor Swift's Eras tour. Now, I'm sure that Taylor Swift does not hold the same emotional place for many of you as she does for me, but she's been musically narrating my life for more than a decade. I have screamed her songs in the car in the throes of heartbreak. I have danced wildly around an apartment with my closest friends to her music. I can sometimes draw a direct line between how I was feeling in a particular moment, both good and bad, to a particular Taylor Swift song. And yet I was fully unprepared for what it would feel like to sing those songs with 70,000 other voices, to stand with total strangers singing with absolute abandon, reconnecting to feelings of pain that I have long since recovered from or the feelings of wild joy that I knew as a very silly 22-year-old. It was like, I mean, honestly, it was like being connected to the feelings and voices of the saints that have gone before me and the ones that will come after me, and I know that that feels hyperbolic. But to stand in a space that big with perfect strangers who have different life stories and yet in that same moment are connected to the same feeling through the same song was holy. Because for those three hours, we were not alone, and in fact, we knew that we never had been. Habakkuk sings, Habakkuk invites his people into a song of praise to their God because it gives voice and connection to everything that has come before and everything that will come after. It tells them that what they have been through will not be the last thing, and it celebrates that they are still here. Their song reminds them that God made covenants with their ancestors and that that covenant has not come to an end. It persists with them. It strengthens them in their truth that this worst thing will not be their last thing. They are still here, and they still will be. And perhaps most importantly, that God claimed them as God's own, and nothing, not one single thing, can take that away from them. God's goodness, God's song for them, will endure. I'm certainly not saying that music solves all of our problems, that music will heal the world, that if we just get on the right frequency together and sing along, all strife and pain will cease. But it is a connector, an outlet, and it gives voice to things that sometimes we cannot. It tells and retells us our stories. It reminds us that we are not alone. Some researchers have suggested that birds begin to sing so early in the morning as a way of saying, hey, I made it through the night and I'm still strong enough to sing. I'm still here. I think that music is an act of resistance. For Habakkuk and for his people, it was an act of power and hope in the face of the Babylonian conquest, in the face of loss. It was, a way, uh, it was what they could do in this in-between time as they waited for God, as they sought to carry on. That, I think, is what our text from Habakkuk offers us, both a question and an answer. What do we do in this middle time, in the waiting for things to change, to be restored, to get better, to be easier? Habakkuk and the kingdom of Judah could easily have given over to despair, and no one would have blamed them. Despair is this seductive thing. It is powerful and effective at convincing 
good people to do nothing but lament. Despair often gives evil an easy victory because you don't even bother putting up a fight. So instead, Habakkuk does the unexpected thing. He praises God. He does not bend or break. He resists. He calls his people to lift their voices together because they believe in their very bones, in the deepest part of their identity, that they are not alone, that they are not without hope. The story and song of Habakkuk reminds us once again that the story of God is relentless in its conviction that nothing that is skewed or distorted needs stay that way because God is constantly working in and through us to make the world right, because we belong to God and to one another, and nothing can take that from us, because God has not given up and has not given up on our capacity to help shepherd a better world for all. The ultimate vision of God is to see humanity step up and take leadership with the clear mandate to be responsible for the conditions that include life without fear and hatred and injustice, because we refuse to look at the world and throw up our hands. We resist the pain, the hatred, the acts of evil by carrying on, by telling the story, by answering God's call, by singing the song of God's love in this world. Please don't hear this as a message of toxic positivity. I am not saying and will never say that all we need is God and a good attitude and everything will work out just fine. I think we all have enough life experience to know better. I don't think that scripture and a good hymn and some Taylor Swift songs are going to fix the hurt in my heart, let alone the broken places in the world. I am also not saying that we are always in a place to feel uh, that we are able to resist despair, that we feel able to lift our voice in song. I know that there are times when we just cannot. And in those times and those places, it is ever more important to remember that we are not alone. When we take up the song and the resistance of our siblings, that we carry who and what we can until we can all stand and sing together. Friends, it is my deepest hope that we as a people and as a community will continue to raise our voices, to stand in spaces of hurt and pain and brokenness and say, this is not the end. We are not alone. That as God's beloved creation who have been claimed with a love that cannot be taken away from us, we will continue to sing the story of God's redemptive work for ourselves and for all people until all things are made new. Amen.